everybody. Welcome to Tarot Talk with Shannon and Kathy. How are you? It's starting to feel a bit like Christmas. A bit like Christmas. That doesn't really go with the music. But hey, it's the holiday time. And we have been watching movies in the Discord with our peeps. We're doing a holiday challenge where they watch a bunch of different things that I've prescribed categories we have black christmas coming up in a few days and that's I'm right incredibly stoked for that and better watch out those were my picks for the discord this i know season. and those are two great ones and so i'm look, really looking forward to that but we've been watching movies and doing the challenge which is a lot of fun because i create these challenges and then i keep track of everything and then i, I send this, gifts at the end this challenge you put together for the holiday one uh, it's going to be like a rat race for these guys. I can't wait to. It, there's a lot on it. There's and, a lot of stuff on and it, and we have some really competitive people that I like to watch. They, they. It's like watching people go into a mall at black on Black Friday. Mm-hmm. That's these guys for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we did a challenge for October, and I I got some feedback afterwards. Like, hey, do you guys like this? Like, I'll keep doing them if you like it. Mm-hmm. It seemed to get everybody engaged and watching different things. Mm-hmm. And the feedback I got from like three different people was, no, I like it because it it, it kind of gives focus mm-hmm. to my watching and I get to kind of search around for things and look for things and see what would fit. And some of them, like I'd never even thought about watching a scarecrow movie. That was one of the things in October. And so people have never thought about that. They're like, I can't, I don't know. I keep watching. I remember Pepper was like, I keep watching movies that say they're scarecrow movies. And then I can't count them because it's not really a scarecrow movie <laughs> because there's no scarecrow in there's it. There's no scarecrow yeah. in it. Yeah. So it's fun like that. And then I come up with prizes and stuff. And this time the prizes are related to our merchandise and some gift cards and stuff that I got. So I'm really looking forward to that. I already have written literally two more challenges. So they're a lot of fun. They're a lot of work, but they're a lot of fun for me to develop and then play around with. So if you join the Patreon and then, you know, become a member of the Discord, we have a lot of fun in there. And so getting down to that, man. And we're also doing a gift swap. So like a secret Santa. Yeah. So that should be amazing. People are just sending off their gifts now. So it's cool. You have an article? I found something on haunted mirrors. Ooh. So I thought this was cool because there's different, depending on the culture or the belief or the superstition around it, there's a lot of different uh, stories around mirrors. We've talked about mirroring from a psychological perspective on this show before, but just the idea of mirrors is really a weird concept. It's the only thing that allows us to see our own reflection. Mm -hmm. And there's so many deep psychological meanings to that, that we could go on and have an episode. Lots of people believe it's a portal. Exactly. So um, this is uh, called two way mirror. It's literally on two way mirrors.com haunted mirror myths. (laughs) So it says, what is a haunted mirror? Throughout the existence of the mirror, Romans believe that mirrors could trap souls and cause bad luck to those who own it. Mm. Um, If the mirror wasn't cared for properly, then it could allow bad things to happen. How? Let's talk about some of the creepiest mirror superstitions. Covered mirrors. One of the better known mirror superstitions superstitions is if a loved one dies in their home, you need to cover the mirrors. This is important because if you don't, their soul could wander around and get trapped inside a mirror. Uh, There are multiple variations of this superstition from all over the world. I think Russia is one of them. Mm. I think think I'm right on that. They even covered mirrors in the White House when Abe Lincoln died. Okay. Sitting Shiva, so people who are Jewish, 
covering the mirrors in a home to protect the living and the dead. It is believed that demons are attracted to homes where tragedy has recently struck like a bad luck magnet. So this, I would imagine, um, because I know Jews sit Shiva, but they also don't believe in hell. So I, this must also be another culture. Yeah. Um, mostly ghostly. A belief in Chinese culture is that if you carry a corpse past a mirror, they would become a ghost. This doesn't sound too bad until you think about the fact that they'd never be at peace haunting you forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's one called Your Next. German and Dutch cultures had a more eerie belief. If you saw your reflection after a loved one had passed, this was an omen that you were to be the next to pass. Oh, I see. Okay. Good to uh, know. Right. Keep out for that. And then we have broken mirrors. So most of us have heard about this one. Another superstition that if you break a mirror, you'll receive seven years of bad luck. Ancient Roman culture believed that the soul regenerated every seven years. Mm. They thought that mirrors reflected not only your physical appearance, but your soul as well. So essentially you were waiting for an entirely new soul to rid yourself of the bad luck. I never knew that was the reason. Yeah. And then there's there's paranormal tales, which I won't go into, but um, there's an article called Haunted Mirrors and, Paranor- and, and the Paranormal. So it goes into a lot of different haunted mirror stories. Uh, there's the Gettysburg Haunted Mirror, Kindred Spirits, um, the Dark Mirror. Recently, a dark mirror has been discovered and is captivating anyone who spots it. Hundreds of people have been affected by the mirror. The dark mirror has been giving people weird feels and some even experience a type of vision. For example, in one of the cases, a woman looked into the mirror and saw her own corpse staring back at her. It is said that the mirror isn't technically haunted by a person, but an entity that feeds off fear and negativity. Mm. As the fear grows, the more interactive the mirror becomes. So would you look into the dark mirror? Bad luck in London. There's tons. The Caputo effect is another one. Um, this will leave it at this one. The Caputo effect is a psychological effect that leads you to react to sensory deprivation with your imagination. This is just a fancy way of saying, if you're focusing on something spooky coming out of a mirror, your brain's going to make it seem like there's something there. And so like kids used to play Bloody Mary in the yeah. mirror. Yep. There it is. Candy that man. Would be, that would, yeah, that will. I don't know about that. The Caputo effect would be that. Oh, gotcha. So if you're seeing a ghost, blink a few times, take a deep breath and reconsider. Your brain might just be playing tricks. Yeah. Agree. I was looking at Hulu and they have a shop (laughs) where you can buy, you know, merch associated with their shows and stuff. Mm -hmm. But the most interesting part of their shop to me and that I wanted everyone to know about is that they have an ugly Christmas sweater section. Hulu has a shop? Yeah, like Shop Hulu. Yeah, they have like products and oh, show merch. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's called Shop Hulu, basically. Cool. I think it's shop.hulu.com. But they have holiday collections. <laughs> so they have ornament, weird ornaments and stuff like that. But I mostly wanted to say that there are ugly Christmas sweaters. So there is an American Horror Story. That's fleece crew neck. That's pretty ugly. There's also a pink, blue, and white Golden Girls Christmas Miami, they call it, because it's got some weird-ass colors, uh, sweater. (laughs) There's a holy moly ho-ho whole ugly sweater, unisex. There's, uh, there's There's a Grey's Anatomy ugly sweater that says, it's a beautiful day to save lives, but it's super ugly. And it's literally in the title, like, ugly Christmas sweater. Oh, I'm looking at them now. Oh, these are funny. 
So that's fun. And the, the Golden Girls ones are amazing. I love the they even Girls. have Golden Girls pajamas. So that's fantastic. Check that out. But they have a lot of fun stuff on there. They have Christmas stockings, they have ornaments. There's even a It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. There's an ugly holiday sweater stocking <laughs> and a sweater. So I wanted to let people know about that. If you need a an ugly sweater, but you kind of want to be on brand for yourself, go check it out and maybe get one. Very cool. Yeah. So Evil Dead Rise is going to come out next year sometime. The next in the Evil Dead series with Bruce Campbell. And I wanted to tell you a little bit about it. So the official plot synopsis is in the fifth Evil Dead film, a road weary Beth pays an overdue visit to her older sister, Ellie who's raising three kids on her own in a cramped L.A. apartment. The sisters' reunion is cut short by the discovery of a mysterious book <laughs> deep in the bowels of Ellie's building, giving rise to flesh-possessing demons and thrusting Beth into a primal battle for survival as she is faced with the most nightmarish version of motherhood imaginable. Mm. And Campbell himself says that this one's pretty different and that it's pretty dark and pretty serious because you know how some of the Evil Dead movies are. You know, campy, fun, the older ones when they were low budge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is what one of the reasons I love them so much. A lot of them were actually filmed at, I think, um, the first, at least the first one, I think, was filmed at Michigan State. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I liked the Evil Dead remake that they did, a more serious movie, but it's actually quite, I mean, I really like it. And so I'm, I'll be interested to see what they, what they do with this. It's going to go directly to HBO max. So we'll all get to see it. Those of us who, who subscribe to that, there's no date at this time for its release, but sometime next year, I mean, filming is complete. So mm -hmm. we'll just see. Uh, they're obviously trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Anything so, Bruce does, I'll watch. I know, I know. We talked about Black Friday last last week, and I I definitely recommend that. That's almost a that was really a fun, fun watch. I I like a lot of his movies. I like Bubba Hotep a lot. <laughs> That's a literally funny one. So Stephen King's new collection, his new anthology collection, is called If It Bleeds, and I haven't read the whole thing, but I actually mm -hmm. have read this story, and the story is called Mister Harrigan's Phone, and they're currently working for an adapt adaptation with Netflix to be with Ryan Murphy, American Horror Story creator nice. Ryan Murphy and Blumhouse with uh, John Lee Hancock, who did The Blind Side, who wrote that and directing it, et cetera. So all wow. of that is a, a power, a powerhouse team. And also Donald Sutherland is going to star in it as Mr. Harrigan, who, if you don't know, the story is uh, Mr. Harrigan's phone is from the latest collection, obviously. It's about a young boy named Craig living in a small town, and he befriends an older reclusive billionaire called Mr. Harrigan, which is the part that Donald Sutherland is going to play. Cool. The two form a bond over books and an iPhone. <laughs> but when the man passes away, the boy discovers that not everything dead is gone and finds himself able to communicate with his friend from the grave through an iPhone that was buried with him. <laughs> uh, Jaden Martell from It, he starred in It, is going to be the kid, okay. which will be cool. And then I guess they just announced that Colin O'Brien 
and Cyrus Arnold have signed on. They're playing the role of like young Craig and some different roles in there. And then Kirby Howell Baptiste, who was in Killing Eve and Barry, has joined the cast as Craig has a caring and concerned teacher named Miss Hart. And so she's in it. But I'm excited. Donald Sutherland as Mr. Harrigan is going to be great. That might like make it. (laughs) He's awesome. I like anything he does. I mean, Netflix for me is really hit or miss with the horror. Yes. But I mean, Ryan Murphy. Yep. So most of, I would say I like about 97% (laughs) of Ryan Murphy's stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Or of Netflix's stuff. I think it's lower uh, of the Netflix. Of of, uh, Murphy stuff. (laughs) Most of his stuff is good, but uh, you know, um, yeah, no, there's a 3% failure apparently. Yeah. Like scream scream Queens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're like, meh. Uh, Yeah. I also wanted to mention that Devin Sawa has been having a hell of a run in the horror genre. I mean, he like, what, <laughs> what was that? I just saw the one that he did with John Travolta from a few years back where John Travolta plays the, the guy fanatic. with autism. Yeah. And after I saw that, now I feel like he's in everything. Yeah, no, he was in Black Friday that we just yeah, talked about. And he's, he's, unrec- in he's unrecognizable until you realize it's him and you go, oh my God, it's Casper. Yeah, he's in everything, <laughs> yeah. in the horror genre in particular. He's in so many things. He's in the Chucky series. He was in the fanatic. And he's great. Hunter, Hunter. He was in Black Friday, which was great. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he's the guy that was, you know, he's been in everything anyway. Everything and nothing all yeah. at the same time, depending <laughs> on what you watch. Well, he's the he's the one where you go, it's that guy. It's Casper. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and he was such an innocent, like he grew up to be a good looking guy. Very good looking. Yeah. I think he's pretty hot in my opinion. He's uh, now in the news teasing the fact that he's in a new movie by the makers of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So <laughs> this is the quote. It's the makers of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, some of the makers. There's a lot of makers of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I've learned, Sawa says. My character is out in the woods kidnapping hikers, killing them, and rotting their bodies to feed to his monster. And I pick up a couple of hikers. It's just the three of us in this bunker. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's got a very psychological, my guy almost like a Kurtz character in Apocalypse Now. He's gone a little bit kooky, and it's really cool. It's a cool project. So that's the quote. So he's apparently got a main main star gig, right? Like yeah. he's playing in all these ensembles. And I know he's in Chucky and, and all of that. And obviously the role in The Fanatic was a big role, but I mean, he wasn't the John Travolta role. Well, obviously. and I don't think a lot of people had seen i mean if you're in the to the genre you may have seen it but it's not like it was a right. big you know right no a lot of people uh, that love horror and and thrillers and stuff have seen that movie and really love it but definitely not it's like the black cadillac movie that i talked about last week like it's a good one but no one i mean i don't know anybody who's really seen it honestly right. like it's not talked about like i haven't heard it talked about right. which is pretty cool but also so so we can look forward to that so that's my horror news for the moment this next segment is is a little segment that you know we like to call. <laughs> I butchered that one. <laughs> I love it. We're gonna leave it. Yeah. Good job. Butchering's okay sometimes. Yeah, sure. Especially for this show. Came in early and then sang some other tune. <laughs> <laughs> I I just like to say that I I keep looking to my left. Yeah. And um, it's just resonating with me now that the pinata from clown motel has just been 
gawking at me for the last two hours. Yeah, for a really many, many months, really. Yeah, but I mean, like, I'm really noticing him today. Today, he's really got you in his sights. It, it's like friendly, but but also he wants to kill me. He does. Would you like to orchestrate something soonish? Uh, maybe around, I don't know, in the new year or for Valentine's Day or I don't know, some occasion where we fill him and then you beat, beat the shit out of him like a pinata should be. I mean, if we want to destroy him. I mean, that a pinata should be used. Yeah. I mean, I'll videotape it or whatever. What do you want to put inside of him? That's, this is my question. What, what do you think would be the most satisfying to come flying out once you, your little arms bludgeon him to death? <laughs> we could put like, um, like turkey meat in there and no. it'd be like brains. Oh, you know what? <laughs> Snickers, all Snickers and Reese's peanut butter cups. Okay. Then that's what we'll do. But then we'll just have to figure out when we would like to do it. So it'll have to be in the new year probably because we've got a pretty full docket between now and then. But sometime in the new year. I mean, if pay me extra, I'll do it in my bathing suit. (laughs) She just got her full sleeve tattoo done as well. So that would be... I mean, that would be, you get an extra dose of seeing all so, the tattoos. Some people may pay to not see it. But. <laughs> yeah. There's no pay. So yeah. it'll, <laughs> it'll probably just be a personal out. choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've That'd taken be a enough. weird scene. Yeah. Uh, me with a bat in my bathing suit. I mean, beating up weird, a pinata that so. looks like a clown. I mean, I, I feel that with turkey would be meat coming out. Instagram story worthy. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's where I'd be uploading it Pro- promptly. It'd go viral. It sure would. You ready for number one? I am. Who was Elizabeth Bathory? Got it. Number two. After a decline from the 1970s, how many serial killers operated throughout the 1980s in the United States? How many serial killers operated? I love that word. All at once. Yeah. In the all the total 1980s. Yes. And there was a decline from the 70s. Well, we just talked about how there was at least 20 in L.A. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number three. This bird is known to be the most intelligent animal on the planet and they are able to recognize a human face. So don't piss them off. <laughs> They're coming back. They must have a fusiform gyrus because that's the part of the brain that recognizes faces. Okay. I'd have to look it up. Thanks for that fun yes, fact. But I also think this is, how, this is how the like birds movies get away with it oh yeah i mean i was like wow that 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 makes a lot of sense where they can stalk you yeah mm-hmm. number four. <laughs> oh no <laughs> this is one that i feel like pepper would send us okay a japanese urban legend believes that akamanto i, I hope i'm saying that right which means red cloak meets his victims when they are the most vulnerable therefore he attacks victims when they are where. Okay. And number five, shark skin feels similar to what? <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. 
That's not really a visual I needed at the moment. Which one? Akamoto? Uh, or all the, the things. Or Monto? Just okay. all the things. Shark skin? Yeah, I, the shark skin part was really what did me in. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna take a minute and we're gonna come back and talk we'll about, talk about <laughs> we're gonna talk about Dream Warriors and Dream Master as part of our Nightmare on Elm Street series. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be right back. <laughs> Everybody, I just wanted to break in real quick in the break and let you know about the bunker thriller American Refugee. So here is what it's about. In the midst of societal collapse, the Taylor family's last chance at survival is a neighbor's bunker where their fate lies in the hands of the family patriarch. When tensions rise, who can really be trusted? And for real, Nobody can be trusted. <laughs> I've seen this movie. Uh, Kathy and I are going to talk about it next week. I actually uh, watched it and we'll talk about it. And then I'm going to get her to watch it. And then we'll probably talk about it again. <laughs> it was a lot of fun from a horror perspective. Obviously, what's going on in the movie is not a lot of fun. But uh, from a horror fan's perspective, it is. So the bunker thriller American Refugee is now available on digital and on demand. It's unrated from Paramount Pictures, so watch it today. Thanks, guys. Back to the show. All right, so we're going to talk about three and four. Dream Warriors, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and Nightmare on Elm Street 4, Dream Master. We're getting there. We are. We're getting through it. Yeah. I think three is your favorite. I love three. Well, three is the crowd favorite. Like, three is the fan favorite. Everyone I ask, honestly, you are right in line with the culture. Everyone I ask says three is their favorite. Why why do you think that? Why was it your favorite, I guess? Well, it's Craven produced. Yeah. Okay. Nancy's back. Yeah. Um, Freddie becomes the center he is vicious he is relentless they went nuts with the effects so it's the marionette scene they get really gruesome and graphic and terrifying and freddie's just a badass plus we have Lawrence fishburne patricia arquette um you know uh what's her face that plays nancy i can't think of her name right now it's such a great cast Yes, agree. So I know that Craven did an original. Jennifer Rubin, sorry, the list no, goes no on. No worries. Yeah. I know that Craven did an original script for this, like originally did a script for this, and you know they wanted him back involved, and so he wrote a script, and his version of the script was very dark and very gruesome. He went a really depraved, yeah, dark no, it's, way. It's a dark Heather Langenkamp. But wait, sorry, they didn't use that script. So. He, he wrote this script and then what they did was they brought in a couple of other writers and for a rewrite and lightened it up because this is a pretty light movie in the sense that like Freddie is now delighting in the killing. <clears throat> and I think as an audience fan favorite, like that, that's, that's what it seems like it's light. It's obviously very dark content, but because Freddie has one liners and he's funny and he's delighting in being a total psychopath, there's, um, 
There's a funness to it because in pop culture at that time, you know, this is the movie that started him off on his MTV career. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He became, you know, there was a Freddy Krueger hour on MTV. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. There were music videos. You know, horror villains became part of pop culture. Will Smith's Nightmare on My Street. Remember that song? <laughs> I do. And, D- you know. DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. They, like, Fangoria knew that if they put him on the cover they were going to sell it out the issue and it was going to sell twice as many copies. He became, so my point is, is he became a pop culture icon, which takes out all the fear. So if you're watching three, when you first watched it, it was crazy and gory and scary and awful. But then over these years, by the time you get to four, which is dream master, which is much more campy in my opinion. Yeah you have to understand that you were dealing with a pop culture th- item at this point. Like all, there was a Freddy Krueger sex line, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> there was an ad for it and he became quote unquote for some people like too popular because a lot of, you know, the horror fans of the day, you know, we get a little, we get a little, I don't know, territorial. And it was mm-hmm. like, now everybody likes Freddy. So Freddy's not as cool. Because Freddie used to be like a thing we knew about. Right. And now Freddie has a show on MTV. Like it took all the fear out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It no, it no lighter, he, he, right? he became like everybody's best bud, but he'd kill like, you know, rip your throat out at the same time. And that right. was the dichotomy right. there. Yeah. No, he was the, by far the villain. Everybody wanted to chill with because he was crude. Mm-hmm. and funny funny and offensive and but also kind of charming because of robert england yeah yeah and sexual that's the part that they started to dumb down a lot right they really never um and the creators have talked about this like they never passed the first one even and and i think they really lightened it in the first one as well but freddie was a, a child molester as right. well right not only a killer but he was a child molester and rapist yep and the movies don't go there they intentionally you know put on the brakes and step back from that because what they realized when they were trying to recover from the poor performance of number two and they went to number three and it was such a massive hit they realized that they had a pop culture thing going on and that there was no way they were going to be able to lean into the darkness of it because now Robert England had become a superstar. Mm-hmm. They originally, I guess, on the set for three, they had ca- they had an extra in the Freddy outfit walking around. Mm-hmm. They were trying to do it literally without Robert England. Okay. <laughs> and they were like it was like this guy and he was walking around all wooden mm-hmm. you know and it just was like okay we can't do this yeah, no we can't do this yeah which you know good for robert england mm-hmm. <laughs> he really embodied that he just really gave it so much life uh and he's just a lot of fun in this which is great but yeah i think what you said about the story is really important they brought back the original character and they put her in as a a a clinical psychologist and to come back and mentor these other kids that were going through what, what her and her friends went through, which I thought was genius, mm-hmm. a way to bring her back. Mm-hmm. And apparently they had to talk her into it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, and she comes back. It's been a couple of years, so she, well, more than that, as far as the the filming of it. So she's mature. She comes back more assertive, more sure of herself, seasoned. So there's something really, I, I think, alluring about her character in this one because in the first one, you know, she's young, naive teenager, girl next door, girl next door. She comes back as a as a graduate intern like you said, going, do I really want to go into this? Is this what I want to do for my training? Because right. this is so triggering. Um, and and then she jumps right back in to help Kristen's character, who is Patricia Arquette and awesome in this. Um, yeah, the great thing about it, I mean, Patricia Arquette is just stunning in this role and she really changes it. And I think that's where four oh, loses out because they couldn't get her. They, they tried to I get know. her and they had to replace her. And it's and it's awful. And even the actors talk about like, oh, it was really hard because you're trying to have these reunion scenes with this person that personified this character for you. And, yep. and it was just impossible. It was just really hard to get the four was so mediocre rhythm. next to three. And a lot of it had to do with that. They tried to take the allure from three, the hospital stuff. They take two of those characters, put them into four, but four story was, well, they it, killed them all off like immediately. They weren't likable because they weren't played by the same actors and the story. It, it, it just wasn't, I still enjoyed it. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, as a standalone, it was fine. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to to four is supposed to be a coming off of three and a sim and part of the storyline, and so you get to four after something like three, which was so great, mm-hmm. and you're like, maybe if four would be six, I would have liked it. But yeah. the fact that it came right after three, it's like, oof, this is not good. But I have to say, like, of all of the movies, like, this is the hot zone to me. Three mm-hmm. and four, like, uh, mm-hmm. com- well, there's one, and then there's three and four, and then you kind of, in many ways, jump to Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll talk about those those movies the, later. The The three, I will say, with three and four, they were some of the best effects. Oh so, my God, the practical effects in these are so great. Freddie as the worm, awesome. The marionette scene traumatized me as a child where he gets pulled out of his bed and he pulls the tendons out of him. Amazing. That was amazing. And then in four, which we'll get to, the insect arms. Oh my God, her. her. Oh, so, I mean, the, the thing I was most struck about both these movies, and we're kind of talking about them at the same time, which I think is fine, because they do kind of go together. They do. There, there, there was in this era that they look kind of the same, you know, it's the same era of culture, so everybody's kind of dress the same they really go together as a pair i would actually recommend watching one and then three and four at this point and right. two as a standalone if you want to see yeah. a cultural standalone i think it's an important and an interesting movie in that way uh, just to know about pop culture for a variety of reasons but three and four just really go together like as a double feature to me four moves a little bit more into the the later 80s early 90s remember the whole chuck norris influence where she's like you know with the nunchucks and the whole thing that character that really made me laugh because at the time that was really cool Mm -hmm. and now you look back and you're like that was like the days of chuck norris and um so dated and steven seagal and like the bit you know and 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 she's like this badass taking him out but um but yeah no in in the i've written down on delay on delay that's how the mom gets (laughs) 
gas her up in the morning. That's how I knew it was Kristen. I'm like, oh, oh, oh it's the same character playing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't actually know at first because I don't really know these movies very well. Yeah. So this is actually really fun for me because I, I don't didn't know remember these. four. I barely remember. I, I didn't four. remember four. I, I remember some of the effects. That's what I remember when I'm watching yeah. these movies. Sure. Cause I'm not like the worm. Like I don't rewatch horror franchises all the time. I happen to have now watched the Friday, the 13th franchise all the way through a couple of times, but I don't sit down and watch these over and over and over again. Like people do. I mean, obviously some, some of our horror fans do like they pop these in for breakfast or whatever. Like, Oh, I love three. I'm going to pop it in and watch it. I don't really do it that way. So for me, sitting down and watching these is really for me, it's really enjoyable because I don't remember a lot of them, but I do remember the spider arms, <laughs> the oh, yeah. bug arms. Yeah. And I remember the worm with Patricia Arquette. Yep. You know, I just remember these these effects. And honestly, that worm, I've uh, watched a documentary on the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, series. They did sort of, you know how they did Crystal Lake Memories for, mm -hmm. for Friday the 13th? They did one for Freddy in 2010 called Never Sleep Again, The Elm Street Legacy. Mm. And if if you guys can check it out, it's about four hours long. So it's they'd go through every single movie just like they did with Crystal Lake Memories. And you get a lot of this behind the scenes. It's really interesting just how they kind of developed and what they were thinking about it and how <laughs> it's really great when they were talking about uh, two, they were, you know, they would have, they would be interviewing all the makers and like three or four of them were like, we had no idea at all it was gay. And then you get to these other ones are like, they knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, It's yeah. fun to watch them yeah. do that in a documentary style uh, interview. But anyway, it, it was good. And, and so for me, it's it's really just interesting to learn about it all. And I'll remember them more now. Sure. That we've talked about it and I'm like looking at it for the podcast. So I'm trying to remember and I'm taking notes and stuff. Yep. And so it really helps you delineate when you study them like that. Yep. Three is really fun. Three is a lot of fun. But I actually enjoyed four as well. Yeah, four was, I, I love that the name of the diner is Crave Inn. <laughs> that was cool. Like yeah, I wonder that. who put that in the script. Put that in there. Um, but three just, it was a rock star cast. I mean, Jennifer Rubin at that time went on to do The Crush, The Doors. Um, she, I think she was a voice in Shrek. She was like, she, that was, she was big at that time. Patricia Arquette was getting bigger. Um, Lawrence Fishburne was not yet known, but he went on to, he was Pee Wee's Playhouse is really where he started. <laughs> um, and then Heather Langenkamp had a pretty, you know, great run just from these movies yes. she comes back as herself in you know um the new nightmare but it, it's uh so for me three is like it's my it's my raiders of the lost ark it's like you know it's the rest of the series is great but that one is just so solid and um i think three is the one that most people saw most freddie fans saw because one and two had kind of come and gone and then once we get into four or five and so on and so forth, people are either invested or not. But three, I think, is what sold a lot of people who had never seen Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street. And they're like, oh, what is this? I think this is the one that really made the franchise massive. Um, and mostly because of the ensemble cast. Four is good. It's good. And and the the um, the effects are great. Uh, the, the only thing about four is I don't really care about the characters as much as I did in three yes yeah, more about freddie it's more about, more about freddie Freddy. yeah and that's why i wanted to say about the cultural context because i think one of the many reasons why these movies became you know kathy's raider <laughs> raiders of the lost ark is because they were they became a pop culture thing yeah so it became very famous and mm -hmm. so i mean it, 
Freddy Krueger became your next door neighbor, your friendly guy in a sweater. Yeah. So what's <clears throat> what I, what I think Nightmare on Elm Street lacks in fear. Like I'm not afraid past the first movie. I'm not afraid of Freddy anymore. I just am not because of what they did. They yeah. made him funny and yeah. quirky and they took all of the sort of darkness out of it for me, which is fine. That's 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 why we enjoy this particular franchise and series is because it's different from the other ones and it's not all about his trauma. He's just a straight psychopath and he delights. That's what I was mm -hmm. saying about like he delights in the killing once mm -hmm. three hits. I don't know. I what it lacks in that darkness and fear. I think it more than makes up for at least so far. We'll see how the next the next movies look. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. less promising, but. For these two, it makes up for it in the practical effects. And what I was struck by is they're gross. Oh, they're so gross. Both of these movies are gross. Yeah. And so if you like body horror and you like gross practical effects where you have to kind of look away, like things crawling out of people's orifices and yeah. growing and bones breaking and it's tendons just, ripping. Yeah, yeah, it's gross. Mm -hmm. And so... It's not a fearful, but it's cringy from the grossness. And then Freddie's funny. Yeah. Like that's what it offers yeah. to me. It's, it's pure entertainment. There's yeah. nothing profound about it at all. <laughs> not, no. Yeah. No. And it's one of actually something I learned was that the, these first four movies are something like the only franchise in history to make more money each time. Because usually mm. you kind of like leave out, you know. That's interesting. I didn't so know that. So one made, you know, 22 or 25 or something million dollars. And then two was supposed to make like three times that much is what they were expecting. And it didn't do that well. As we know, it was pretty much a bomb. But it did make more money. And then three made exponentially more money. And then four made more money than three. Wow. So they were building and building and well, building. Well, there was probably a huge expectation coming off three. Absolutely. And it was just part of the culture. And it was a lot of fun, too. I li I enjoyed four. I liked the special effects quite a bit. Mm -hmm. I missed, of course, Patricia Arquette and et cetera. But it's also not like when it was that time period, you know, it wasn't the late you know, eighties and nineties where I'm like waiting for the movie to come out. So I have all those expectations, Right. you know, like when you and I talk about the new Halloween movies, mm -hmm. there's so much waiting and oh, so much yeah. expectation. If we were just sitting down yeah. and watching them from 10 years ago, we would just wouldn't have that much investment. That's right. And so I don't have that much investment watching them. So I can kind of see where it's like, Oh, well this one's fun too. Kind of thing. Yes. Sure. Of course I miss Patricia Arquette, but they couldn't get her. Oh, and you know, we were talking about last time about Charlie Sheen. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things they said in this documentary, uh, one of the guys, they do it as kind of a throwaway line, but they're like, yeah, Charlie Sheen wanted three grand a week and we couldn't afford him. That's why we went with Johnny Depp. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, oh, of course. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so he was obviously pretty famous already. So yeah. they were like, oh, no, thanks. And the Johnny Depp character was supposed to be like this big beefy jock guy. But then they saw Johnny Depp and I guess the casting person or director or whatever asked a bunch of the girls in the cast like, so what do you think of that? And they're like, he's dreamy. Yeah. <laughs> cast him. We don't. And they're like, he's kind of pale and kind of small and skinny. Like, really? And they're like, he's so good looking. Yeah. Okay. They're like, all right. And well, and the jock would have been, I think, like a, a major trope. Like one thing about Glenn's character is he was attuned to her and he was sensitive. Yeah. And it just would have been a very different. Just a different thing and yeah. very trope-like, right? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the characters end up being, I mean, they already had the jocks in there doing right. their thing. But right, yeah. Right. 
Very enjoyable. So we're on to five and six. Okay. Excited? Do you remember these at all? I remember five a little bit. I don't remember, but nothing like notable, like I remember in one and three. Yeah. So it'll be newish again for me. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'm I'm not even sure I've even seen them. Yeah. So we'll see. A five I have, I don't know if I've seen six. I'll let you know when we talk about it. Yeah. So then we'll go forward. We'll do five and six in an episode, and then we'll also do seven, eight, and nine in an episode. Cool. And then that'll be that. And then we will move on to the Scream franchise. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks you guys for listening. We will be right back with our horror watches in a moment. <laughs> everybody i just wanted to break in real quick in the break and let you know about the bunker thriller american refugee so here is what it's about in the midst of societal collapse the taylor family's last chance at survival is a neighbor's bunker where their fate lies in the hands of the family patriarch when tensions rise who can really be trusted and for real Nobody can be trusted. <laughs> I've seen this movie. Uh, Kathy and I are going to talk about it next week. I actually uh, watched it and we'll talk about it. And then I'm going to get her to watch it. And then we'll probably talk about it again. <laughs> it was a lot of fun from a horror perspective. Obviously, what's going on in the movie is not a lot of fun. But uh, from a horror fan's perspective, it is. So the bunker thriller American Refugee is now available on digital and on demand. It's unrated from Paramount Pictures. So watch it today. Thanks, guys. Back to the show. I like the clown. I like it. I like this. Wait, here we go. That's what I like. Okay. Is that fun? Yeah. yeah. It's fun for you. You get to play with it. I have to keep fucking listening to it. I get to play with the buttons, but that's, that's the, that's the gift I get for editing and recording. <laughs> that's true. One of these days I'll these get to push one. I enjoy. One of these days I get to push the the wolf maybe since I asked for it. You can. Okay. You want to come over here right yeah, now? Yeah, I'm going to do it right it? now. All right. Come over here. Uh, it's this one right here. You like that? Here's the little cheat sheet. You can push whatever you want. There's the little horror facts and the. Here's these these are the three sounds right here. That's your little that's a little horror bed that you read scary stories over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> that's a fun job. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, and there's more. I just don't have them all loaded. <laughs> all right, don't rub it in. <laughs> Welcome. We are going to talk about our horror books and watches now. I think you're going to give us a little update on the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. I'm about 70% in. Oh, Mm -hmm. nice. Have you gotten that far? No. Okay. No. It. (sighs) No. I love how he writes. Yeah, he's a lot of. I really like him too. It's a four hundred page book. Yeah, so you're I'm powering in there. through it because it's so good, and I'm reading other books while I'm reading it, which is the only reason why I'm not done with it. Yeah, yeah, we're um, all reading several things at once because it, I could just binge it. It's that good. Uh, but you also like it, and so you're trying to 
eke it out, right? Like yeah. try to spread it out a little. My understanding is this book is going to become a series. Uh huh. Um, which I'm super happy about because I love the characters in this book. Yeah. Um, the main character, her relationship with the vampire is so well written. Oh, good. Because it's, you know, she's got a, she's the only one that is in touch with reality about who this I guy see. is I in, see. in the neighborhood. The rest of them are being, uh, they're all seduced. Cajoled by they're, they're all seduced <laughs> yeah. because he's, he's well, and he's so narcissistic that yes. he's gotten all them sucked into getting them successful. And yes. even the husband's like, honey, you don't know what you're doing. I'm embarrassed by how much you've said about him. And she's like, I saw him eating someone. Oh, she's getting gaslit by everybody. Right? Yeah. She's totally getting gaslit, even though she, and she'll even say like, that was a couple of years ago. Maybe I remembered it wrong, but the humor that he uses, yes. th that Grady uses because he just, he loves to highlight all of what was considered serious in the eighties and nineties. He brings back and reflects on it. Like yeah. the way he describes something. Um, and I'm just, I'll be sitting there in my bed, just laughing out loud the way that he writes. So it's a really, it's, it's a good horror novel on its own and it's a great comedy and the characters are likable and, if you grew up in the suburbs, it's relatable in that sense, the way that everyone's in everyone's business. Mm -hmm. um, I'm loving it. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been reading some other stuff. We uh, started The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones in the book club on the Discord. Kathy's not able to read this book with us, but we uh, started it and we're actually going to have our first. Uh, we've had our, well, by the time this airs, we will have had a couple of different chats about it and probably be wrapping it up and just about to talk about the whole book in general. But I have to say it's really good so far awesome. in this first, uh, I broke it up into four different chunks this time, a little bit smaller because it, it looks like it's a little bit, it's kind of, I don't know. It blends like the classic horror with the social commentary sure. because it is about Indians on a reservation. And so there is a lot of, and it's, but it's woven in really well. And I think that's why they were making some, you know, uh, Jordan Peele connections because the way Jordan Peele is able to blend in social commentary sure. into his story really gift is into his stories and, and you hear it and you, listen to it, but you're also entertained by, other, you know, like he's not just giving you a lecture. He's making a dramatic, that, that's it's dramatized. I mean. It's right? hard to do well. And that's what this book is actually doing really well so far in that. And I'm, I'm riveted by it. Honestly, sweet. I really like it so much. Cool. I mean, it's gotten really great reviews, so I wasn't really expecting any less, mm -hmm. but I'm enjoying it so far. So the only good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones it's won a lot of awards and stuff. And we just finally got around to it in the book yeah. club. The other thing I wanted to mention is I picked up a couple of Christmas horror type of things. Oh, nice. Uh, I picked up Sherlock Holmes and the Christmas Demon by James Lovegrove. And it's eight, set in 1890 in the days before Christmas, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. John Watson are visited at Baker Street by a new client, Eve Allerthorpe. Allerthorpe? I don't have any idea. Eldest daughter of a of a grand but somewhat eccentric Yorkshire-based dynasty is greatly distressed as she believes she is being haunted by a demonic Christmas spirit. Awesome. So we'll go on a little Holmes and Watson adventure there. And then I also picked up the very, very, very popular 
best-selling author Andrew Schaefer's Secret Santa, The Gifts That Keeps on Giving. This is a, <laughs> this is a pretty popular one that I've That's just good. never read. Yeah. So the tagline is, all it wants for Christmas is you. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> out, of, out of work for months, Lucy Meyer is desperate to work anywhere in publishing. Prestigious Blackwood Patterson isn't the perfect fit, but a bizarre set of circumstances leads her leads to her hire and firm mandate. Lucy must find the next horror superstar to compete with Stephen King, Anne Rice, and Peter Strobe. It's the 80s after all. Set in the 80s, Kathy. Yeah, it's mine. Sure. And horror is the hottest genre in the industry. But as soon as she arrives, Lucy finds herself the target of mean-spirited pranks by her coworkers. Bitches! who clearly don't want her there. The hazing reaches its peak during the company's annual Secret Santa gift exchange when Lucy receives a strange gift that she recognizes but does not understand. Suddenly, her coworkers begin falling victim <laughs> to a series of horrific accidents. Oh, my. And Lucy suspects her gift is involved somehow. And on it goes. I love and it. And the picture on the front of the book, of course, is a a gift with like red eyeballs coming from it. I know. It's so. like, it almost looks like the, the cover box of gremlins. Yeah. That's exactly how it feels. And this is uh, also like a two time Goodreads choice awards finalist and stuff in the humor category. People really like it. So looking forward to digging into those as we continue on in the season, I probably won't be finished until January or February. So I'll be talking about Christmas books in February, but whatever, who cares? Very good. All right. What did you watch? I'm sure you've already seen this, but nice. I had not seen it. Okay. And I loved it. Mm. Um, you and I have talked about how we're not like a lover or a hater of M. Night Shyamalan. Correct. Um, I loved The Visit. Mm -hmm. It's a good one. I had never seen it. So oh. for people out there who've never seen it, two siblings become increasingly frightened by their grandparents' disturbing behavior while visiting them on vacation. Catherine Hahn plays the mother. She's I just adore her in everything that she's in. She's great in this. Olivia uh, DeJong, who is in Better Watch Out, the main girl in Better Watch Out, she plays the older sister. And Ed Oxenbold, the little brother, steals the show in this movie, and he's so cute. He's he he's like wanting to become a you know what do they call them? Um, not a rapper, but they do the poetry. I forgot what it's spoken called. word spoken artist. word artist. And every time he, uh, he's decided that he cusses too much. So he said, I'm going to moving forward. I'm going to replace a cuss with a pop star's name. So when he starts to get really scared in the movie, he'll be like, Oh, Katy Perry. <laughs> <laughs> he is so cute in this movie and he's so funny, mm -hmm. but the story is, um, really disturbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it obviously there's uh, some metaphors around dementia, but it also it has his, you know Shyamalan's whole like mind fuck. It actually reminds me a lot of Darcy Coates' book, the the Fullcroft full Ghosts, and I read that first. So when I was watching this movie, I was like, oh my gosh, I wonder if she was influenced at all. I don't know the year she wrote that book, but the book is about the. It's a little bit different how it starts, but about it's about a brother and sister who have never met their grandparents the mother gets into a car accident mm -hmm. and they end up um, going to the house and very similar things unfold. Oh. So I almost felt like I had already seen this. The twist at the end is very different. And I well, love for that. <laughs> um, I love the end of this and mm -hmm. just thought his movies are so hit or miss for me because the end, I either feel like he sticks the ending or it's just absolute 
crap. And this yeah, one, he really takes a lot of chances. He does. Kind of what I really love about <clears throat> him. I really liked this movie. A he goes lot. full bore into <laughs> whatever he's doing. So if those of you are on the fence about him, because that's where I am, like I don't always trust that I'm going to like it, but I, I sometimes I'm surprised. I really this is if you haven't seen this one, I recommend it. Did you like this one? I did. Yeah, it's up there for me with like I really love the village. Uh, I really like Signs. I love Signs. Yeah. I didn't, the village was uh, okay for me. Yeah, I just liked it. Yeah. And I actually like Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. And I realized that that trilogy kind of goes off the rails. And, and we could probably do an episode on the Split movie the, mm-hmm. about Split personality. We could probably do an episode on that and rip it apart because it's... Which it's, was actually, a, a Billy Milligan was the influence for Split. So, yeah. yeah. But there's a trilogy. There are movies and I, I find them enjoyable. Yeah. I don't agree with a lot of the mental health representation that's going on there but if i can i do have the ability to compartmentalize that a lot of the time occasionally one gets caught up in their own opinions and can't like separate it from the movie obviously there are movies like that for me right but for whatever reason this that trilogy didn't get go there for me i can watch it and just be entertained but um but i really like unbreakable the way it started of course but yeah no i really like the visit the I other, haven't watched it in a while, so maybe I'll rewatch soon. Yeah, his his movies are, like I said, hit or miss. But yeah, I'm glad you like this one too. Um, yeah. Uh, the other one that I liked that a lot of people didn't care for was The Happening. I actually really liked Oh, no, that I one. like that yeah. one too. And, yeah, so. I, I actually do like a lot of his movies. I mean, when they're stinkers, they're just stink. It's so obvious that it's a stinker. Yeah. Like it just kind of goes yeah. off the rails and you're like, oh, okay. I mean, The Sixth Sense is one of my least favorites. No, I know, yeah. but I um, mean that, and I I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. I still enjoy it because I don't think the twist is really the like the best part no, of that no, movie. No, no, so it, not that hard. I to mean, I out. enjoyed the twist back in the day, but I but I don't think it's the best part of that movie. So so I I still enjoy it. But um, Tony Collette's the best part of that movie. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah. Anyway, anywho, I watched Bad Ben Benign. Okay. I don't know. Do you know about Bad I Ben, do not. Kathy? Okay, so Bad Ben. <laughs> oh, she doesn't know everybody. This is the ninth movie in the Bad Ben series. And trust me, I didn't know about Bad Ben either. I learned about them from my horror friends on Discord, and they watch a lot of slop. And they watch Bad a lot ben. of independent okay. movies. And this is an older guy who uh, the character in his movies is Tom Riley. And he's an older guy, and he does his own found footage movies in his own house. And this is the ninth (laughs) one. Okay. Okay. With life returning to normal post-pandemic, Tom Riley installs new radar cameras at the house on Steelmanville Road, which is where he lives and where this house was, where strange things keep happening. It's basically this guy, Tom Riley, which is the reason why everybody watches Bad Ben. One independent movie, you want to support a, a dude that's, you know making him some stuff like I like I just love it and he's also from the east coast and he's got a like fuck you ghost kind of vibe to him and he just does deliriously ridiculous things so in bad ben for those of you who are fans or know about bad ben this new installment the 2021 benign what I would like to say about it is that it revisits the joy of the first one, or if the third one was your favorite, the ones where you think Tom Riley is the most ridiculous, hysterically bad person thing. Like it's just 
it revisits that and it's joyful because some of them are stinkers. Some of them are really bad. Like I didn't really like, he did one during the pandemic where he was literally on zoom, like talking to people and, and having his little fits because what people like about the character of Tom Riley is that he has these fits with ghosts and stuff. And he's like, what the fuck is happening? And right. da, 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 you know, and then the chair will get like yanked all the way across the room. And he's like, what are you doing there? And it's all on like, like spy cameras in the house is yeah. the whole thing. So you're just going from room to room with his little spy cameras and then, you know, a door open and then there'll be some like really cheesy effect of a ghost. And it's just like, wow. Okay. I guess he got some, you know, software to yeah. make, to make a ghost out of. Oh my and, God. But this one's funny. So those of you who know Bad Ben and you're wondering whether or not, you know, it's gone off the rails and will never return, this is a lot of fun. So I would okay. say I would say watch That's it. That's cute. Kathy just needs to watch the first one. Someday. Put it on my list. And and this one. You could watch the first one and then this one and you'd be fine. Okay. <laughs> but there's nine of them. So Wow. Uh huh. Good he for got, he good was for good for him, man. He, he was busy. What'd you, what else did you watch? Uh, the other movie I watched is a 2021 uh, American psychological thriller called Intrusion. Okay. Uh, breast cancer survivor Mira, played by Frida Pinto, and her husband, architect Henry Parsons, played by Logan Marshall Green, have recently moved into an isolated, ultra-modern uh, house in Corrales, New Mexico, which Henry designed and built. Mira is plagued by concerns over her illness coming back, though Henry appears to be supportive having cared for her when she first became sick. One evening after returning home from a date night, the couple find that their house has been broken into and trashed. Mm. The only items stolen are a laptop and their cell phones, which they left behind so as not to be distracted during their date. After talking to Detective Stephen Morse, Henry installs a security system in the house. So a few days later, Mira wakes up to a strange noise and all this weird stuff starts to happen. She starts to put together, uh, I'm not going to give anything away, but she starts to put together that some, there, there's also, um, sorry, before I get too far in, there's also a, a woman who has been missing in the news, young woman that's been missing in the news. As Mira starts to try to figure out what's going on, because it doesn't make sense that this is all these people came in for. Mm -hmm. She is looking, her husband being an architect, he's got pictures of his work on site. And she goes into his computer and finds that the woman who's missing is in the background of one of the pictures on the architectural site. Huh. So from there, she starts to think maybe he's involved. I'm not going to tell you what happens, but um, the mystery builds really well, oh. I think. Um, it's just one of those where it's, the, the, it's really from the, the viewpoint of her. And so you're going along with her trying to figure out, like, is she, is she just really sensitive right now because she's under a lot of anxiety and all this, or is she smarter than she gives herself credit for? And she's putting stuff together. Um, I enjoyed it. You know, it's, yeah. it's your basic like thriller. So there's nothing overtly uh, different like about the ending or whatever, but I, I, it, the acting was good. The buildup was good. It's worth a watch. Great. Yeah. That's Netflix. Awesome. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Cause we were just talking in one of these, conversations about how netflix can be kind of hit or miss i think yeah we were talking i thought about it, it at the top of the show i'd give it like an eight out of ten. Oh, nice yeah yeah because you know what if if you like thrillers you do want them to follow the formula yeah 
And when they do that well, I thought they did with good acting and good suspense and they hit all the notes, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing really wrong with it. It's only a 10 when it's something really unique and you never expected it or there's some really amazing performance in it. It only gets to like nine or 10. And those movies are really rare. Yeah. I mean, Frida Pinto is really good in this. Um, She, her, her, the role that she plays, she's very believable, I think, Mm -hmm. um, because she she's somewhat vulnerable due to what she's been through, but then also wicked smart and strong. And so uh, she plays that very well. So I liked it. Yeah. So I saw Jagged, which is a music documentary on Alanis Morissette. <gasps> I love her. It's really good. The life and musical career of Alanis Morissette, who reflects on her 1990s rise to rock stardom. Now, here's the interesting thing is because I've seen news items where she's not happy with this documentary. Apparently she says she was saying thing in this one article I read, I hope this goes away because, um, or that I'm wrong or that it shifted or maybe it was misreported, whatever. But she's talks about how she trusted this documentarian and how she feels that, you know, the things that were included, you know, I trusted them and they included things I didn't want included that kind of thing. Mm. So I'm not talking about it because I want to go in any way against like Alanis Morissette's wishes, but I, I watched it not knowing that and then kind of looked it up and thought about it. And it was like, wow, because Yes, there are vulnerable pieces to it. Nothing that felt to me like awful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she alludes to some things that might have happened to her when she was underage, which an underage rock star. Well, she sing- She has a song about it. Yeah, and so she she wasn't a rock star yet, but you know, as most of you know, Alanis grew up in the music industry. Like she was bubblegum pop star before yep. she was in the '90s, being you know a, a goddess. In my when opinion. she came out with um, "Under Rug Swept," that's what that song was about. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. There's also talking a lot about how her bandmates, you know, uh, Taylor, who ends up in the Foo Fighters, talks very openly about how they were all, you know having sex with everything that moved during that, you know, it was their breakout tour. Those guys first opportunities to be rock stars, you know, they were having sex with all the group, you know, it was a whole thing. And Alanis was obviously singing very much about a, a lot of very personal issues and a very, per- and she was speaking to women and men. She was very androgynous in that way. Like her message really appealed to everyone. She remains, you know, top 12, albums sold ever a jagged little pill so it was a very universal thing and so maybe that was why it was embarrassing for her that they included the stuff about the guys being awful really awful Mm -hmm. they had a room in the back where they they the girls would be brought there like and and so Mm -hmm. like playing off of alanis's where is uh, the where did you see the documentary uh hbo okay yeah, so They've check it out. They've got that one in the Britney Murphy one right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I I've, I've seen that as well. It uh it's but if you love Alanis Morissette, it's really good. Like those two things I just mentioned are like tiny pieces of the documentary. Right. So I the articles that I read about her her issues with it didn't she didn't really state what her problem was was with it. So I don't know which part she doesn't like and and i'm gonna probably follow that to see if there's anything she's in it and she's beautiful and wonderful and i she like i wanted to be friends with her she's super super likable and funny and Mm -hmm. natural and average her new stuff is good amazing and she's got new stuff out so i would say like 
watch it and learn about her. And if there's something that hits you wrong or you feel like, like, I don't know what she's uh, upset about. And, and, but I respect that she's upset yeah. about it. But man, I thought it was such a good document. Well, like, I really yeah. enjoyed it just because I like her so much. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess if you've been through something like that and people have their own take on it or whatever they try to do, so it's a very personal thing that she of went course. through. It could just be the reaction to that. Like it wasn't done the way that she, she wants, she envisioned it. And, you know, well, we, we know with trauma, you know, she wants to tell her story and maybe it wasn't told. I don't know. I mean, who knows, right? Yeah, but I don't know. And, and what I would say as well is that Here's the thing. She's used to being the head of her stuff, right? Yeah. She is used to being in charge, the, in charge of her creative message. And so I am unsure why she went into a deal and did not get final cut because a lot of whatever documentaries you're watching about a person, I would say if they if they're endorsed by the person and the person is really proud of them it's most likely because they had final cut and anybody you know if you're a very famous person and you solicit a documentary or somebody solicits you to do a documentary on your life you get you you negotiate for final cut and this is why yeah so i i'm saddened and and i don't understand that particular misstep but I'm imagining that there was something going on where she just trusted them so much. That's what I'm thinking is she overtrusted. Yeah. But, you know. but I, but again, these are, these are definitely just guessing at, at thought, a thought process around right. what happened then. Cause it's so good. Like I really enjoyed it, but mostly because mm. I love the music and I love seeing her and they've got her now talking about stuff and I just really enjoyed it. So yeah, she's awesome. I watched that as well. Not horror related, but music. We like music good around here. I'm going to watch that. Yeah, it's a good one. I, I I liked it a lot. So thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode. Have we gone over our chat? Oh, oh, what? You mean there's something else we have to do? <laughs> We're going to do some answers to the horror facts with Kath. Are you ready? <laughs> no, I'm not ready. I, I want to talk about horror more. Shannon, who was Elizabeth Bathory? Well, I know she was a serial killer, but I don't know too much more about it. Like the first serial, first female serial killer, maybe? She was one of the most famous true vampires. Oh. Who was well, a, that's a serial well, killer? She was a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, but she I was, was right, damn it. She was actually known as a vampire because she was accusing, accused of biting the flesh of girls while torturing them and bathing in their blood to retain her youthful beauty. Mm hmm. And she's uh, dramatized in lots of different things, including American Horror Story. Yes. Yeah. Number two. After a decline from the 1970s, how many serial killers operated throughout the 80s in the U.S.? I really don't know. 257. 770. Okay. Twice as many. <laughs> three times as many as I thought. Number three. This bird is known to be the most intelligent animal on the planet and able to recognize a human face, so don't piss them off. A crow. Yes. <gasps> Did I guess right? So I really, I guess because, and the reason why I guessed a crow is because of what they eat, which is human remains. Ah, that's, wow, I didn't even think about that. I was thinking, okay, what's what's a, what's a bird I would know? I figured you wouldn't think of something that was like something I would never know, 
type of thing. Like, yeah, you, you yeah, might. no, I wouldn't have picked like the African blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. No. Then it's like, well, yeah, nobody knew that. <laughs> the secretary bird from the Serengeti. Yeah, no, nobody cares. Yeah, nobody yeah. cares. <laughs> and then I was thinking, okay, what's a bird that's on topic for our yeah. like vibe? And I'm like, okay, that made me think of crow. But then I was like, well, what do crows eat? And then I was thinking they eat faces. They yeah. eat, they eat the carcasses. The crow is, is just a creepy bird. Yeah, and it that's just why it's a, That's me. why it's a it horror fact. It was a guess. I if it was like the pink it. flamingo, that wouldn't have been very Well, scary. it would have been funny. Would have been funny. Okay. <laughs> okay, this is this is the pepper clue. Number four, a Japanese yeah. urban legend believes that Akamanto, meaning red cloak, meets his victims when they are most vulnerable. Therefore, he attacks victims when they are aware. Well, the pepper clue might have given it away. If I got it right, it's because you said uh, the bathroom. Yes, the toilet. Okay. Okay. But what, but it's so out there. It's not, this is Pepper, calm down. It's not because <laughs> it's about, Pepper. it's, it, it, please, yeah, her. because it's so, such an out of, yes. because she knew what that condition was, the yeah. walking corpse condition. I'm like, <laughs> this is something maybe she would bring us. So he, he visits them on the toilet. He holds, this is, gets even better. He holds a red, <laughs> piece and a blue piece of toilet paper in his hand and in some stories he asks choose <gasps> the red the red or the, the blue. blue pill so you have to choose the red or the blue toilet paper neither one is good if you choose red he's gonna stab you if you choose blue he's gonna suffocate you Ooh, random so random horror fact with cast so random urban legend right so I just thought that's something she would bring us. It's the Matrix. Yeah. It's probably where the Matrix writers got it. Okay. Number five, shark skin feels similar to what? Mm, cashmere? Sandpaper. <laughs> the opposite of cashmere, Shannon. Right. Sandpaper. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. So there you go. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We hope that you have a phenomenal December happening for you. And we are coming up with the holidays. We are. We'll do more Freddy. We'll do some more Freddy. And we will also do some Christmas horror stuff. Excellent. Yeah, it'll be fun. So we'll see you very soon. In fact, next Wednesday, we'll talk to you. Thank you so much for listening to Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.